Here at the Sociology of Everything podcast, we acknowledge the people of Ghana Yarta, whose land this episode was mainly produced on, and whose past and present elders we pay our respects to. Hi, I'm Eric Sue. And I'm Louis Evers. And welcome to another episode of Lou and the Sioux, a podcast about sociology, brought to you by UniSA, the university with the best sociology instructors. <laughs> yeah, this is what people tell me. That's, right? that's, uh, yeah, I yeah. like it starting off with a pretty powerful boast. Yeah, so, well, I'm not sure if it's a boast, if it's, not, if it's a fact. <laughs> Double down on the boast. Um, in this podcast, we're going to look at the work of Max Weber. Weber is one of the most seminal figures in sociology. Like Karl Marx and Emil Durkheim, he's oftentimes regarded as one of the founding figures of sociology. Although, like Marx, he didn't ever consider himself to be a sociologist. Uh, a lot of the work that he produced predated the formal establishment of the discipline. But nevertheless, his work has been exceptionally influential. He was born in 1864 in Erfurt, Germany, and his intellectual career saw him produce a tremendous amount of works that have become really part of the sociological canon. I oftentimes liken Weber to like the Beatles or the the now personally disgraced, depending on who you talk to, Michael (laughs) Jackson. He just produced so many hits, not by the way in the realm of music, like he didn't also like (laughs) Have a pop career. I wish he did. <laughs> the bureaucrats. That's, that's right. So we're not going to be able to cover all aspects of his work. We're actually just going to focus on one idea of his, one hit, if you will. And that hit is his account of bureaucracies. This concept of his um, was, you know, at the time, actually quite revolutionary. He was trying to describe how organizations are organized mm. when when the modern era comes upon us. Just coming across this text as an undergraduate student, I remember that I was quite perplexed by this interest of Weber because bureaucracy is a term that I'm familiar with. Mm. It's just similar that many of us are familiar with, Com- even before we term. yeah we, mm. even before we come uh, to take a sociology course. Mm. And it doesn't inspire all that much excitement in me when I hear it, right? <laughs> Bureaucracy. Even yeah. the term itself. It's yeah. just, a, just a really crummy word, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's become that. Well, it's become that. Yeah. But, when, but when I read the text, I began to understand, wow, this is actually quite an insightful way of understanding how the modern world works. Because mm. if we believe, if, if we believe Weber, to, to be onto something with this idea of the bureaucracy, then we're potentially getting a really good insight as to how modern societies operate. Because according to Weber, the more modern societies become, the more bureaucracies take hold. Mm. And bureaucracies, I should mention, they're everywhere. They're, around, they're, they're, they're all around us. It's, you know, when we think about bureaucracies, we normally think of large government departments. Mm. You might think of maybe even this university that we're enrolled in. Or, uh, and, and you might also perhaps even think of, of the dealings that you have with utility companies. But, <laughs> but bureaucracies extend far beyond that. Mm. They are part of hospitals. They're part of, um, uh, of homeware stores. Mm. Fast food, you name it, it's, it's probably a bureaucracy. But what is a bureaucracy? Mm. 
Louis, how would you describe a bureaucracy to someone? Well, I would uh, I would go to Weber himself and look at the key principles of uh, modern officialdom or bureaucratic structures that Weber outlines, and uh, I would repeat them to people at nauseum. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> You're a great conversationalist. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, the first one of those would be the fact that there, it's an organisation in which there's different roles that do different things and that there are stated rules around each of these roles. So there's a distribution of duties. So not everyone's doing the same thing mm. and that every single position within a bureaucracy is unique to some extent, different from one another. And they're, they're, like I said, there are rules around each one of them. So it's, it's a division of labor in a similar-ish way to the way Marx talks about, but it's an organizational division of labor. So from a, a broader point of view, a bureaucracy is a particular way of structuring an organization. Absolutely. Right? Organizations yeah. have existed yeah. for a lot of human history, mm-hmm. but it's a specific type of organization. Absolutely. When you have a group of people who are trying to achieve a purpose, whether it's building something that can be sold on the market, whether it's uh, organizing a, an activity like building roads or running hospitals, you need to organize the cohort of people who are going to achieve the overall goal. Let's take building roads as an example. You need to come up with some sort of organizational structure that's going to build roads in the most efficient manner. Mm-hmm. And that structure is not going to be to get every single person out on the streets digging up old roads and laying new roads because there's not going to be much planning involved in that. You're not going to know where to build roads. You're not going to be able to buy the goods for building the roads at a cheap price. You need to employ people into specific positions that they can then just concentrate on that one role, that one position, and do it very efficiently. And for bureaucracies, this overarching structure is determined by stated rules, by, by the constitution of the bureaucracy, by the rules around what everyone's position can do, their position descriptions that determine what their role is within the overarching structure. And it's only by having a council worker who can actually be on the ground building roads and then a supervisor whose job it is to manage a group of, of workers and make sure that they're all doing the correct thing and then someone who buys the good for that and then, and then a lawyer involved to make sure everyone's following the correct laws that are going on and all these different roles within the one organisation. So, so it, it sounds like one of the things bureaucracies are really good at is being efficient. Mm. And, the, and to get, I think a good idea of, of, of how this is the case. I think we should just look at the list that Weber produces in his account of bureaucracies of, of, of what they consist of. Because he, he has he thinks bureaucracies have six characteristics. Yep. Okay? The first one is that there are principles of fixed and official jurisdictional areas. It sounds yep. very, very like jargon jargony, mm-hmm. but I but what does that mean in plain everyday language? So, I mean, that's pretty much what we were, what I was describing a second ago. It's yeah. that within the organization, people have different jurisdictions, they have different roles, and that's what their responsibility is about. You can't leave your office, like even in a university, yeah. you can't leave your office and your job and then walk over to, say, the HR department and sit down in their office yeah. and start hiring and firing people. Yeah. That's not your role. You're not allowed over yeah. there. I once tried <laughs> to go into the security office just to yeah. play with alarms that they had yeah. and they didn't like yeah. it and they were like you yeah. we didn't hire you to do that and i said yeah. well well who who told you it's yeah. a well the person politely yeah. explained to me that yeah. uni sa is a bureaucracy yeah 
It's a bureaucracy that does have the best sociology instructors in the world. That's, <laughs> what, he, that's what he said. You know, no, what, I don't... you know what scares me about this whole prospect? Imagine going to the cafe in the morning and having a different person making your coffee every morning. Yeah. Someone who's not trained to use the machine, who doesn't know how to make a really good So there are fixed roles and there's mm. different roles, right? Yeah. right? So there's, there's specialization. Yeah. The second characteristic Weber gives of bureaucracies is that there's a hierarchy of, of authority. What does that mean? So it means that not everyone in that organization has an equal level of power. Everyone is answerable to someone above yeah. them and responsible for people underneath them. And it, it's such an important function of the overarching organization yeah. because it makes everyone accountable because everyone's got their role to do. Yeah. So there's always someone monitoring you and making sure you're doing that role appropriately. Yeah. And you're, in general, unless you're at the very bottom of the pecking order, I suppose. But uh, That's how you know if like an organization is well run or not, especially yeah. in the modern world. If like you say, I want to speak to your manager or how do we get this thing resolved? And people just like throw their hands up and go, I don't know. Like, well, then you ask who's in charge? And you said, well, I don't know that either. Yeah. Right. That's not what a bureaucracy is though. A bureaucracy has clear lines of authority. So like, if you're really not happy with this pod- podcast and I hope you are, <laughs> you can say like, why don't I speak to Eric and Louis' boss yeah. at the mm. university? Mm. There presumably is someone mm. that you know that that by definition that's what 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 um, yeah. we have as being part of a, mm. a, of a bureaucracy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though, even within that hierarchy, one point that Weber makes is that the different roles are still unique from one another. So even if you're someone you know my boss, for instance, who I'm responsible for achieving my role, if I'm not doing it correctly, and my boss has to institute proceedings to, to fire me, they can't just start doing my role because my role is still unique and specialised within the hierarchy, but they can employ a new person into my role. So it creates accountability, but all the roles are still, there's still a division of labour within the, within the organisation. The third characteristic of bureaucracies that Weber lays out is that there are written documents and official duties. And I think this is actually a really quite insightful one. It, everything in a bureaucracy is written down yeah okay there is a list of things that each of us needs to do mm. and and also it means that data is constantly being gathered how are we you know it's there's a there's a sense in which bureaucracies run on data mm. okay both about the service that's being provided but also about the people that are providing the service mm. and and i think the other thing i should mention is that um, it's just not just that things are written down. There are official duties. The people who work in a bureaucracy, they they don't work in their capacity. They they don't they work in an official capacity. They don't work just in terms of themselves as a private citizen. No, right. So That's if right. you are the vice chancellor yeah. of this university, you presumably will do what's best for the university. Yes, the duties you execute aren't simply to for your own personal gain. No. Right? I'm not <laughs> well, even, you, know, <laughs> you don't see him donating and, and can their I just, pay packets can, back to can the Can I just say, uh, to put it on record, he's doing a great job. He's doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Whoever the VC yeah. is at the moment, Fantastic. doing a great job. Yeah. Great job. He's the best. Yeah. He's so great. <laughs> um, bureaucracies also rely on expert training. Yes. Uh, how, in what way does that make sense? 
Well, it makes sense because, like we said, each of these roles have a, you know, they've got specific duties attached to them. There's specific requirements that people need to do. So, for instance, within an organisation, the lawyers are quite a common role because different organisations have to deal with the law and operate within legal frameworks. And you couldn't just employ a random person into that job and hope that they can get training on the job, mm. which is something that, you know, did happen prior to bureaucratic organisations in, say, um, you know, medieval style guild organisations. People would be trained on the job. It's a different way of organising groups to achieve a purpose. And in fact, even lawyers, if we go way, way, way back, very early forms of, of law involve people doing um, articles where they would actually train on the job as well. But these days, within bureaucratic structures, you expect someone to know how to do their role within the organisation to, to seamlessly fit into that role. And so because of that, they need to already be trained. They need to already know what they're going to have to do and how to do it. The, the fact that people have to be trained or they have to have skills in order to mm. fit certain roles, I think it's also fascinating because it means that people are appointed based on the skills they have, the knowledge yeah. they have. So in other words, they're based on people's qualifications. Mm. Bureaucracies are meant to be based on merit. And that goes right? back to what you were saying before. It's a depersonalized thing. It's not about employing um, Eric Sue because he's a lovely guy and, no. he's, and, he's, and he's funny. No. It's about employing him because he has the necessary degrees, because he can demonstrate that he can do the role he needs to do within the bureaucratic structure. Yeah. And, and because of that, it makes the whole thing a bit more objective and a bit more depersonalized. The fifth characteristic of bureaucracies is that it requires the full working capacity of the official. Mm. What do you think that means? I think that uh, part of the bureaucracy and also um, some of the later ones Faber talks about aren't necessarily as clear as the other ones, I'd say, because yeah. you think, yeah, of course, you know, of course it does. But the way I think about that is to think about forms of organisation that don't require full working capacity. So say you volunteer your time to some charity endeavour or something else where you're not giving up your full time. Mm. It's sort of optional you being there. There's not such roles and responsibilities around what you're doing. It's more a collective of people helping out in some way. Whereas bureaucratic organisations are serious. You have to really commit yourself to achieving your role. It's a full-time endeavour. It's not something that you're just doing as a favour to someone or you're doing to win favour with mm. someone. It's something that is your full-time vocation, is what yeah. Weber talks about it. That's why you need to be trained and you need to really commit to fulfilling the role within the organisation. And that comes back to following rules as well which is the next thing that Vader speaks about. Yeah, the following of general, stable, and exhaustive rules. I think what this really tells me is that individuals don't ultimately hold power in a bureaucratic system. If you have a system that's based on rules that are all written down, they're exhaustive. Like if you go to a McDonald's, everything is written down about mm. what you're supposed to do in one instance. Like I wondered, long wondered that. Like if the oil gets spilled on the ground, I'm sure there's a protocol. Yeah. For what to do then so it's not like oh the oil spilled on the ground uh, what who knows what to do well gary knows what to do yeah only gary yeah only gary <laughs> gary gaz, very important you know? oh, <laughs> I, I would go so far to say it's not even that gary knows what to do it's the safety officer who knows what to do yeah it's not an individual it's the person whose responsibility it is to manage incidents in that section of the organization 
And so that, that's the different roles having their responsibility. And the following rules is, is, you know, such an important thing as well, because it's what keeps everyone not being able to exercise their own prejudice and biases in, in their role. They're just there to follow the rules and to, to do what their role is in the most efficient manner. So Weber talks about what constitutes bureaucracies. He lays out, a, I think, a pretty comprehensive picture of what they're like. But then he moves on to talk about, well, what is it actually like to work in a bureaucracy? What does it mean to fill one of the roles? Mm. And this is a really interesting discussion. I think one of the things he talks about is how oftentimes office holders feel like it's a vocation, as you mentioned. Yep. What is a vocation? It's a really weird word. It's not a vacation, <laughs> obviously. It'd be nice if it was a vacation. But what is a, what is a voc- vocation? So um, obviously this touches on some of the things I've already discussed. So it's a full-time job that requires training and becomes your career. So within bureaucracies, you know, like we said, you have to be trained to fulfill your role. You're employed by and responsible to the office, not just another individual. So you work for the university. And even in modern organisations, when we think about roles that seem like they have such a personal connection to another person, so like an executive assistant, for instance, is someone who really spends most of their daily life working for a specific individual, managing their diary, doing these quite personal tasks, they still are employed by the organisation. It's a vocation, being an executive assistant. Mm. It requires certain skills and training. So that's what Weber's talking about. You're not just there because of your loyalty to another individual and your relationship to an individual. You have status and rank attached to your Mm. position within the organisation and you work for that organisation. And that that has a bit to do with the way you're appointed as well, which is another key aspect Vega talks about, I would suggest. And this kind of links to the second point about the position of the official that he Mm. he mentions. And he goes through a lot of different aspects of what it's like to work in a bureaucracy. Mm. And these are things I think a lot of us are already familiar with. Like some bureaucratic positions are paid a salary. Yep. You get paid for the work you do. Yeah. It can be an office sometimes can be held for life. That is to say there are permanent positions. People mm. can exist yeah. <laughs> at an organization on a continuing basis. And, and I think the continuing is the important part of that because these days with, with work maybe becoming a bit more precarious, you know, the idea of lifetime jobs is maybe a thing of the past. But the point Weber's making here is it's not like an elected official where you have to be responsible to a democratic process every three or four years. Your only responsibility is doing your role effectively. Mm. So, so that's, what, that's what's so important about having an ongoing appointment, a fixed salary and these things. You're, you don't have to worry about anything else and you have no responsibilities other than fulfilling your role within the bureaucracy. And then what's then the, the last point I want to just focus on here is how Weber talks about the differences between an elected official and a bureaucrat. Because, you know, oftentimes you might think the two are more or less interchangeable, but they're not, according to Weber. One of the things that's interesting about elected officials is that they're not appointed. They're they're elected Mm -hmm. by definition, right? Whereas bureaucrats are appointed. They continue on. If, if, uh, especially obviously in the context of politics and government, mm. a government can change, but the bureaucracy can sometimes remain remarkably intact. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's such an important point. And it's something that promotes impartiality for the, for the bureaucrat and the person in the role of the bureaucracy because they never have to worry about what the public will think about them 
all they have to ever worry and try and do is achieve their responsibility as it's written down, as it's codified mm. within the bureaucratic organisation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in some ways that, and this is something we might come to now, that, that can lead to some big advantages. Mm. Um, you know, there are some really powerful and important things about this structure that we've now outlined and the role of the bureaucrat within that structure that I think uh, are really important and maybe lost a little bit these days. Weber concludes his discussion of bureaucracy with kind of like a plus and minus list of what's good about them. Talks about how there are advantages to bureaucracies. Mm. What are some advantages to bureaucracies? Well, they're very stable, for one thing, because, you know, the way the structures are organized, people are interchangeable. Everyone's just a cog in this larger machine. So they're incredibly stable and hold in place. Yeah. You're not you're not reliant on any one individual. Yeah. If someone's sick, you can <laughs> replace them the yeah. next day. Um, well, I mean, I, I remember one of the first lessons that that someone tried to impart on me when I when I started working at this university is the university ultimately doesn't care about you. Yeah, like you could leave; it'll still be here. <laughs> you know. Um, it does care about you. Do, yeah. <laughs> well, it certainly needs to care about me if it wants to have the title of having the best sociologist <laughs> yeah. in the world. I think another really big pro that Weber talks about, and once again, this is something that is lost in the current discussion around bureaucracies, is that they're really efficient. All these things we've outlined, yeah. it actually provides a really efficient way of doing things. So, so you might think of bureaucracies mm. as being inefficient. Yeah. When people have an image of bureaucracy, it's like waiting in the line at the bank. Yeah. Okay. You're like, oh, or another form to fill out. But Weber will say, actually, having that form, yeah. remarkably useful. Yeah. Well, because imagine if you didn't have a form and it was just yeah. one person or a group of people yeah. that decided everything. Well, it, there was no process yeah. to follow. I mean, I, when I was uh, rereading this, I sort of thought about the example of the farmer's market versus the supermarket. Whereas a farmer's market, you've sort of got a collection of people all doing their own thing. They're not really organized in relation to one another. And I'm not sure if you spent much time at the farmer's market during the kind of peak hour on a Sunday at the uh, Adelaide showgrounds. But it is chaos. It takes so long to buy anything. But a supermarket... So structured, so organized, rules. In fact, they even put things on like the same sort of aisles in between different supermarkets so you can go in and quickly find things. Automated checkouts. People in the supermarket having their own specific roles that they have to do. You can get in and out very quickly, even on a Sunday. Now, let's talk about the drawbacks. But in order to do that, maybe we should move on to a segment that we like to call Say What? where we look at a quote in the text that needs further explication so louis you have one of those for us i do so i'll read the quote first and the quote is uh, its specific nature which is welcomed by capitalism develops the more perfectly the more bureaucracy is dehumanized the more completely it succeeds in eliminating from official business love, hatred, and all personal, irrational, and emotional elements which escape calculation. And so the reason I chose this quote is because it's going into the pluses and minuses that we're talking about. But this, uh, specifically how it's been interpreted afterwards, but in in the terms it's written here as well, is definitely the minor side of things. And this is referring to this notion of bureaucracy being dehumanizing. Because when you're employed into a role in a bureaucracy, when you're turned into a cog in the machine, you can only act how your role has been outlined for you. And anything that doesn't fit within that role, you need to check at the door. 
So that can be your own personal values. If suddenly you have to do something at work that isn't, which is outside your role, but breaches your personal values, it doesn't matter. You, you, can, you can't bring your own personal biases, values, emotions to your role. Mm. Your form of rationality, which is something Weber talks about, is just to apply the principles of the organization and any other free thought outside of that is completely removed. Mm. And that is a bit dehumanizing. It doesn't treat you as a full human being with your own opinions and perspectives and objectives. It just treats you as a cog that just needs to fill that hole in the organization as efficiently as possible. Do, do you want to expand no, on that? No, you know, it's not even just that there are dehumanizing aspects of bureaucracies. The Weber is very much concerned that these dehumanizing aspects of bureaucracies are hard to overturn Mm. because bureaucracies have such a resilient and permanent character. He talks about how it's really difficult to challenge the bureaucratic system in the modern world. Anytime something bad happens because of a bureaucracy, the answer paradoxically is more bureaucracy Mm. or they blame it on the individuals. It's not not the system's fault, it's the individual's fault. And if it is the system's fault, the way to correct it is to to actually produce more bureaucracy to address the issues of that system. Yeah. So maybe we'll bring the, the, the podcast to a close there. I would say that Weber is very much like Eeyore, okay? <laughs> Christopher Robin, because he's, he's kind of a downer. Like a lot of his works is like, darn if we do, darn if we don't. Yeah. And he has all these famous phrases, like some people translate some of his writings from German into English as being the iron cage of modernity. Yeah. He's kind of a downer. And this is kind of one of the down points of, of, his, of, his, of his works when he talks about bureaucracies. We're going to see in other, another episode of Lou and the Sioux <laughs> about how sociologists have taken his ideas of bureaucracies and applied them to a whole variety of different events and, and social phenomena. But we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Lou and the Sioux is a sociology podcast hosted by Eric Sue and Louis Everest. It's produced and edited by Eric Sue, with special assistance from UniSA Online and UniSA Justice and Society. To learn more about studying sociology and other programs online or in person at the University of South Australia, visit unisa.edu.au where you can search for more details. Loon the Sioux is primarily recorded on the lands of the Ghana people. The hosts of the podcast would like to pay their respects to elders past, present, and emerging. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more about the podcast, visit our website at sociologypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.